Hello and welcome to Tape Notes, the podcast that looks behind the scenes at the magic of recording and producing music. Every episode we'll be reuniting an artist and producer and talking through some of the highlights from their collaboration in the studio. So join us as we lift the lid on the creative process and the inner workings of music production to see what lies beneath. Hello, I'm John Kennedy, and joining me for this episode of Tape Notes are Jamie T and producer Hugo White to talk about how they wrote, recorded, and produced the album The Theory of Whatever. Jamie Triez, better known as Jamie T, is a British singer, songwriter, and producer from South London. Growing up absorbing the wealth of London's multicultural influences, as a teenager, Jamie set to developing a style of his own. After abandoning the guitar, finding it too difficult to play while singing, he started doing solo gigs, accompanying himself only on bass guitar. Recording his own one-man band tracks at home, in 2004 he debuted with the seven-inch single Salvador, which was shortly followed by the Betty and the Selfish Sons EP, both released on his own Pacemaker Records. Within the space of a few years, Jamie's blend of hip-hop and indie rock, along with a growing reputation for reckless performances, saw him begin to gig with increasingly prominent bands across London. And having signed to Virgin Records, in 2007 he released his debut album Panic Prevention. Taking on different aspects of modern youth culture, the platinum-certified album reached number four on the UK album charts, earned the Mercury Prize nomination, and was included on numerous Best Album of the Decade lists. His three following albums, Kings and Queens in 2009, Carry On The Grudge in 2014, and Trick in 2016, each reached the top four of the UK album charts, and saw him take his exhilarating live show to audiences across the globe. Having taken time out of the public eye, in July 2022, following an explosive re-entry to the music scene with a standout Glastonbury performance, Jamie released The Theory of Whatever with producer Hugo White. Cementing his status as British indie royalty, the expansive album is packed full of instant Jamie classics, while also opening his sound to new musical directions. It has become his first UK number one album. Hugo White is a musician and producer from South London. Hugo's rise to notoriety in the world of music came when he formed indie rock band The Maccabees alongside his brother and fellow guitarist Felix White, vocalist Orlando Weeks, bassist Rupert Jarvis, and drummer Sam Doyle. Over the course of four albums, The Maccabees rose to be figureheads of the UK guitar band scene. From their 2007 debut Colour It In, the 2009 follow-up Wall of Arms to 2012's Mercury and Ivor Novello nominated Given to the Wild, they became one of the most loved of their generation. After a UK number one album with 2015's Marks to Prove It, the band decided to call it a day and bid farewell to their fans with a huge UK tour and a run of sell-out dates at Alexandra Palace. Having produced a significant amount of their later work, Hugo decided to put more of a focus on the studio side of music making. As well as sharing his talents on multiple records from indie-centered artists including The Magic Gang, Ten Tons and Matt Maltese, he has also used his time in the producer's seat to expand his musical palette, working with more pop-centered acts including Jesse Ware, among others. As long-standing friends and former tour mates, the mutual trust that exists between Jamie and Hugo allowed Hugo to bring his deep-rooted knowledge and experience of band writing and recording to the theory of whatever. Today, I'm here at Maloko's The Yard Studio, and I'm joined by Jamie and Hugo. And what better way to start our conversation than by hearing something from the record? This is Keying Lamborghinis. Guineas in my mind, mind, 
It is King Lamborghinis by Jamie T from the album The Theory of Whatever and I'm very pleased to say that I'm sat at the Yard Studios in Islington with Jamie T and Hugo White. Hello, how are you? Uh, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, how are you? I'm very well. You I'm go? very good, yeah. Yeah, you're yeah, good really too. Good. Yeah, um, I good. thought it'd be a nice idea to start with King Lamborghinis because it came out recently for Record Store Day. Um, right, I bought yeah. it on 10 inch and I love the instrumental as well. Um, it has shades of John Carpenter or something like that and also kind of early electro and, and early hip hop, which I really loved. Um, but the two of you are long friends. Hugo, obviously, you're in the Maccabees. Jamie, you've probably shared a stage with the Maccabees many times. When did you start working together for this record? Hugo, you could probably answer that better than I could, really. I but think it was quite a long time ago. Yeah, we kind of started, we did, the first time we made some music together was 2017, and we spent a couple of days in the studio. Was that 2000? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. mid-2017, and then, like, kind of intermittently sort of had this contact where you'd, we wouldn't hear from each other for free, a few months, and then I'd get another song you know, we'd have a discussion about this song or, you know, be excited by it and then Jamie would disappear again and then I'd get another song a few months later and that kind of went on for a while and then I think actually it was probably during the pandemic time when we started talking about actually making the record. Right. Or finishing the record, you know. Yeah. So, so then the, that plan was and then, hatched. Yeah, and then that was the beginning of that and then the record was finished end of last year. So yeah. we kind of worked on that on and off. Yeah, I mean, like he, he used to start making the record. I was making the record before that, but uh, but yeah, but I guess the more concrete aspect I mean, of it, it like that, that song, laying down tracks, and that like. song we just played, Keen mm. Lamborghinis, was done by myself on my own, and then um, Tom from Audio Bullies came over and put the bass on and the drum beat and produced over the top of it, so. Right. You know, there, there like, are other people involved in, in that, this. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Because I think the last time I saw you, Jamie, was at the Bermondsey Social Club for a Yalla night, which is the Yalla record label extension of the Maccabees. Yes, yeah. And uh, we bumped into each other in the garden there. And you were saying that you had bumped into Tom from Audio Bullies. That's right, it, yeah. it turns out he lived down the street from you. Yes, And that you'd does, been working yeah. on some music together, which is a kind of mad uh, yeah, happen yeah. chance thing. Absolutely. Yeah, Tom, Tom did uh, a few things on the record as well. Was, uh, we worked together for quite a bit. And then um, Hugo came in, and uh, after that, I think we finished the records cover. But yeah. yeah, Tom had lots to do with uh, a few tracks on it. Yeah. yeah, very interesting. Right, well, the first song we're going to look at is the Old Style Raiders, which I think you're going to play in the master, Hugo. Yeah, and yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll find out how it all began. Hold your 
yourself down till you can't come up. Hard times in the promised land, looking for a thief in the common man. Every little sign is a thing to you. Every line's just another clue. We sit the bottle with a boy in blue. The major steal the heart. Cause it's not fair to grow inside and from the outside in and look so right, but inside. It is the old style raiders, Jamie T from the theory of whatever. So in this beautiful relationship um, that you have together, where did this come into it? When did you start working on this track? I mean, this You've probably got a better idea than I do well, on it. I'm a bit foggy this, on everything. You sent me your demo of this fairly early on, probably, again, like talking, this is probably six months before Jamie sent me 140 demos saying this is the album somewhere within this. But this one in particular, and there was a few that would that I'd heard prior to that, that were just obviously, you know, essentially they would, they would done songs that were ready for the record. And, and those kind of songs were dotted around this 140 as well. Right. But I, you know, I knew from the second Jamie sent me this, that it was ready to go, you know, and it was. What would he have sent it you? Do you have that? Yeah, I do. My laptop, just on my own in the kitchen, trying to be quiet because my missus is pissed off at me. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So those drum beats, they're all programmed in, or, or yeah, yeah. programmed in that point. And the guitar connected straight into the laptop. Yes, yeah, straight into Yeah. Loaded up town till your feet fell off. Hold yourself down till you can't come up. Hard times in the promised land. Looking for a thief in the common man. Every little sign is a thing to you. Every line just another clue. Was in the bottle with a boy in blue And it made you steal the heart it's not fair to grow inside I mean the vocals from this are the, are the vocals on the final Oh really? Yeah, yeah, right yeah. Yeah, so I just, I worked in my kitchen a lot back then I did about six months just working very late at night because my girlfriend at the time, my partner or whatever, at the time worked very hard. So I would try and, uh, we lived in quite a small place, and try and find enough time, enough space to give her space and then be able to do what I do. So it's quite quietly working on a laptop on my own in uh, the kitchen whenever the rotor would allow me to. Right, and recording the vocals then, if you've got to be quiet, how are you Well, I mean, that? like... You know, she was very understanding, but I'd only recorded vocals once. Right. You know, so I wasn't recording all shouting all, all night or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, it was an interesting time, really, because uh, it's, for some reason there's a difference between having a mouse, you know, and like uh, normally I work with like a tower, uh, Apple Tower and stuff like that, and like being, uh, you know, and having compressors and shit to like literally just there with like... Just using your finger. On yeah, and like having to work between like certain hours a day. You know, I'm a lunatic. I work for 18 hours, like straight. So having to work in like six, eight hour bursts can made me kind of actually like correlate and make songs quicker and make me finish songs. Because I, I knew the next day that I wouldn't be able to. I was writing so much material at the time. I was just trying to finish everything so that it was in a state of, in some kind of place where I could play it to Hugo and it would be 
a three minute, four minute, thirty song that is able to to look at and produce rather than like a minute of me clapping and crying, you know, <laughs> and like being like, whoa, 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 uh, yeah, like I wanted to kind of create things that were, you know, legible, yeah, to be able to produce because I, I know a lot of people have had problems with me in the past in the sense that they're like, well, what am I meant to do with this? Because producers quite often want you to have songs finished so they can produce it. Well, I'm always like, well, no. If it was finished, I'd produce it myself. You know, so it's a, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a tandem between that. But it's it was a nice way to grab Hugo in by going, oh, you know, like these few songs are finished, and then he took the bait and was like, oh, great, and produced them. But then then I gave him like. 180 30 second ideas and was like do with that (laughs) (laughs) i got all the other bits as well that's the thing yes there were a bunch of songs within that where it's just like i mean as a a fan of jamie's music for a long time it was like to me hearing these things was just like just so exciting because i felt excited as a fan of jamie t music that i was kind of getting to hear this stuff early and um and it kind of all the clues were in there really of of where it needed to go and a lot of the time what felt important to me throughout it really was trying to not never to lose something out of it so it was trying to rebuild where it needed to be rebuilt but also never lose the essence of what Jamie had done and, and keep as much as possible basically yeah and when you're recording like that on the kitchen table what what program are you using and what Logic. microphone? So you're just using Logic, Logic and a Neumann, yeah. Right. Uh, I've got an old Neumann mic that's not probably too dissimilar to this, but a lot of an older version. It's the only mic I sound good on or sound like myself on, mm. uh, really. I use that on SM57. And, um, you know, Hugo has a hard job in those regards because there is an amount, like... <sighs> It's a funny world trying to ask someone to produce a record that you... I'm not a producer. I never pretend I'm a producer, but I'm a better producer than you are. Well, certainly me. <laughs> no, you know, at the same time. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's a hard it's a hard curve because I've asked people to produce my stuff before. Because I write in front of the computer, I've purposefully constructed my being and myself around shit drum beats shit samples, shit reverbs, shit guitar sounds, because I want to prove a point is that I'm not trying to be clever. I'm not trying to find a sample from, you know, DJ Shallow's library that is like, I'm trying to prove a point. Is that Why is my stuff sound better than yours and all the instruments are crap and everything's shit? Why is that? You know, like, so I purposefully make a point of using, like, Ultra B SB12... Jumbie every time, every time. So it's hard to ask someone, you know, to take that as Hugo has and take that upon himself and realise that I'm like, look, don't make it sound good. <laughs> yeah. It's a very difficult thing for a producer. And also I've worked with producers before who, who like to put their kind of production sound over things. And I don't want that at all. I'm not looking for anyone, you know, so Hugo said I'm completely in adoration of this man. He's managed to make the stuff sound 20 times better without, like, taking away from what I've done 
on my laptop that is, I feel made it sound original and like me and managed to also soup it up without, you know, wanking all over it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. But it's interesting because when you hear just that demo that we've heard, it already sounds pretty fully formed and pretty fully realised. So then when we go to Hugo and we think, well, what do you do next, Hugo? I mean, because you've got all those different parts and you end up using the same vocal part anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think initially it was trying to like, well, one of the first thoughts of it was, and something me and Jamie had actually spoke about was trying to like bring dimension to it and like a kind of 3D aspect that maybe they didn't have at the moment. And some of that was, I mean, probably the starting point was we went into the studio and, and did on, there was a selection of tracks that were in this kind of world. Firstly, maybe I, I worked on the guitars a little bit at home. So, you know, <laughs> me and Jamie kind of had this thing of like, where I started certain guitars, I'd be like, I think that one I'm going to try and redo. And, and we kind of began this thing of like, Jamie going, why are you replacing my guitars? I'm like, I'm not replacing them. That's either. not actually what happened at all. <laughs> That's a lie. What happened is I kept coming back in the studio. I don't know how to play any instrument, right? This has got to be said. Every time I turn up at a piano or a guitar, I have to learn again how to play. Honestly, I don't know what a, a chord is. I don't know how to play a bar chord or anything. I started turning up in the studio and realising, I was like, God, this is sounding really good. And it took me a couple of days and I realised he'd been replaying all my guitar parts. <laughs> but also, strangely, quite like me. No one can play guitar like me, but he's managed to work it out and just replaced all my guitar parts <laughs> just because I was out of the room. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I, honestly, like, no one else would get away with that on my fucking watch. No one else would get... you get fucking strung out for that shit. But I was so in awe of how he had he had the fucking audacity to do that, <laughs> that I was like, fair play. I can't tell what guitar part I... You think that the <laughs> guitar parts are better, but they're not. Like, literally, I can't tell the difference between how he plays guitar and I play guitar when he's pretending to be me. Um, yeah, he'd been doing that for like a couple of days before I realised it. And I, I must admit, the songs were sounding a lot less authentic. <laughs> no, I'm joking they were saying better you know what I mean like, yeah. he was replacing stuff all over the place but it took me years and years of my life to be able to give someone the freedom to do that because originally at the beginning I wouldn't let anyone do anything because I was so protective of what I knew I had in myself and what I had was very different to what anyone else had I wouldn't let anyone play fucking anything because I knew I was shit but I knew I was better than Yao you know what I mean? So, like, there was something about it that was important. So it took me years, and it took me working with one of my best friends to be able to give that leeway and actually not be bothered about it either, which was a, a wonderful kind of new dynamic for me. Yeah, amazing, really interesting. And so you're replacing guitar parts, then you go, or replaying them, or, or channeling your inner Jamie T by replaying them. Um, but it's an interesting thing because... There's such a sound palette to what you do, Jamie. You know, there's all these little tiny bits, be that the kind of gang vocal aspect of some of the lines and, you know, are they multiple Jamies that are singing those? And, mm. you know, it, that is clearly your vision for 
what you're trying to do and what you want your songs to sound like. And it's always super, in some ways, busy because yeah. there's a lot of stuff going on, mm. but it all interplays with each other. You know, the little shouts in the background, that the kind of bits where, you know, a few voices say something together or, or the instruments do the same thing, mm. but then they disappear. You know, they, they dash back out, not to come back necessarily. And you've managed to continue that throughout the course of, of all the albums that you've had. There's always been that kind of element that is uniquely your sound palette. So you can hear it on the demo. You've got to get it on the what will eventually be the, the mastered version via Hugo's assistance as well. So because there's so much on the original demo, how do you decide what to keep and what to get rid of? Well, what to I add? mean, uh, to begin with, everything's kept, you know, and like kind of relayed out. And that's where I kind of begin looking at things. And I mean, even to start with, for example, the drum track on it. So it felt like that conversation I was saying where just to start to add a bit of dimension to things recorded a live drummer playing the same part as the loop and then basically built in the samples from Jamie's drum original drums onto the live kit and kind of sat them together and and maybe there was a couple of things where there would be new fills that are just little points where something different happened that maybe strayed slightly from the loop that helped with the song and those kind of basically kind of going to long lengths to find just little bits that were improving things along the way. Yeah. And that was kind of um, something that, again, was the same with the guitars. I don't think his guitars are any better than my guitars, honestly. No, I'm being serious. I don't think he needed to replace the guitars. I think that's bullcrap. Yeah, but, but, I <laughs> think that was a power play. I don't think that was needed. <laughs> but I understand about the drums. The drums are very important. I left Hugo for quite a bit of time in the studio, you know, like to do a producer job because I was aware, I was like, if I want to get a producer in, let a producer do his job. So, and then Hugo, if I, my memory serves me right, you went and did all the drums on it and it's made out for so much of a better thing and it was better that I wasn't, wasn't there, mm. to be honest, for it. Because I think... Utter bollocks. <laughs> Honestly, utter bollocks. But the, the, the drums and all that, but the drums and, and that were needed. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And it, it made it made such a difference. I mean, Sorry I, to interrupt. Are you able know, to I play saw... the drums in and show how yeah, you yeah. worked that? Because I, I also, like with that guitar conversation, is like I always saw it a, a little bit as like the guitars, so there always had to be, there had to be like Jamie's character of guitar playing had to remain the focus of the song. And usually there's a consistent part that is Jamie's part that feels like Jamie and is kind of strings through the whole song. And I think that's where I kind of found that thing of like, there was always one guitar that had to be Jamie. And then there might be things that were, had happened, you know, like, that were in original recordings that were just never going to be able to be replaced or changed and they just they were perfect for what was happening but then i felt like there was room to frame jamie's guitar in a better way because rather than having the free jamie sometimes it made sense to have to like solidly frame it and then have the focus of jamie's character almost be more apparent down the center and and that i found that kind of worked in the in the framework of it yeah well, let's he won't agree. <laughs> let's hear the drums, then we can hear the guitar. Yeah, so.
So is this the, the live drummer? Then? So this is both together, right? Yeah, because that feels too tight for it. And who is drumming? Jamie from uh, of uh, Stereophonics and Jamie uh, Morrison. Yes, yeah. Stereo once Noisettes. Yeah, Noisettes yeah. and well, and he's played with everybody as well. Yeah. He's such a he's nice wonderful bloke. bloke yeah. yeah, but great job. I mean, I remember seeing him drum. Noisettes. You know, back in the day, mm. that's it. What I remember being like, who the fuck is that guy? Yeah, wonderful. He's he's got an amazing natural feel and stuff. And actually, I think bringing him on as well was that thing of being able to because he would really take that brief of like we're not changing drums here but then naturally when he plays a song naturally and which he would have played to the vocal and you know all the stems of what was going on originally and um where he would decide to make little movements felt you know a lot of the time it was like okay that's great that's mm. that's what we needed in that moment are you able to play the drum programming and then a little bit of yeah of sure. the other jamie's Jamie Morrison's drumming. There was one particular fill at the beginning of it that I'd put in. It was half semi, it was half quantized and half not. And Jamie managed to fucking do it. Or at yeah. least you did it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, pretty, pretty well. It's like, it's mad. It like rolls in quantized and then rolls out half quantized. I mean, I think this has got the... Sometimes so I this just, is... I wonder what the, I was on about, but... So what are we hearing? So this there? is demo. This is demo drums. But maybe that's been triggered. Actually, that snare to the real one. But basically, I mean, this is this is the hat pattern that was, you know. So that's the demo that was in the demo loop. Then the live kit on top of that. This is just the live kit. That's just live kit, yeah. That's just the live kit, yeah. And then so adding in the, the hi-hats from the demo, which were a big bit of the character of it. And then adding in the song, the, the demo song, which are... It's interesting hearing them isolated like this because it, in a way it has a, has a John Bonham feel but it also yeah. has a hip-hop feel of the way that hip-hop sampled John Bonham and kind of used yeah, yeah. John Which Bonham's kind of it had style. that Beastie you Boys know what this reference. This tune is, yeah, it? there's a Beastie Boys reference to this mm. tune. I can't quite remember what it's called, of Hello Nasty, which if you were to find it and play it, you'd realise it's very similar to what's going on here. So, like, quite often I'll, I'll do things or make things. I will create samples to write songs over. So I will write a chorus, for example, and record it as a, you know, 1960s feel, flatten it out, and then use it as a sample to write over. Or just even that in this song, oh, where we go, oh, where we go. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just use something like, so I come from a background of listening to music, I come from a background of punk, I come from a background of Beastie Boys and stuff and the idea is sampling just a little thing so you can just it kicks you off into everything else mm. so that drum beat sounds like a break beat it's not a break beat it's made afresh but like if you you know I got tired of sampling a bit and kind of just 
started trying to write my own ones in, yeah. in a sense, you know? Yeah. But that helps explain how there seem to be so many different layers often within your songs yeah. in that if you've written, you've kind of written a bit that you then sample yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you're sampling yourself and that has its own little So I'm writing tips. two songs within mm. a song Yeah, quite often. I'll write another song and sample it. There's a song on the album that is uh, Charles from Slow Club. I don't know if you know Slow Club. Yeah, I do, yeah. I got him to send me one of his whole songs because I adored the song and I wanted to learn how to play it live. And he sent me all the parts and I just pitched the whole fucking song down and slowed it down to 90 from 120 or even more than that and then cut it up and wrote a whole tune over it. So the whole song is Charles Slow Club's tune, but I wrote a whole song over it. I like that idea of using music in a sense. You have no... I have no respect for anyone apart from what you're doing at the time. I mean, no disrespect by all accounts, but if it comes to music, I'll, I'll use anything to get me to a next point of excitement. Yeah. And uh, quite often vocal samples for me are the, the jump off for something else, even if it's just a way away, where'd you go? Way away, where'd you go? I guarantee you that's the first point in that track that I wrote and I wrote the whole song around it. Right. Um, Can we hear? I mean, do you have that yeah, yeah. little bit? And so that, is that you? That's me, yeah, pitched up. That and a drum beat. Yeah. I wrote the whole song around it. Yeah. Right. I wrote three songs for this sample. There's three different songs mm. written within a week around that. Example. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because when you hear that in isolation, that could, you know, you, that's the kind of thing you might have heard on a, a jungle track or, or something like that. Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm very much into that. like house music as well. Early house music with a lot of the vocal samples and that. I'm very much into that area. I find a lot of those samples very they you know, touch me. Yeah, but then you create your own version. So you've got all those different elements. What happens next then in terms of how you're going to finish it and record it? I mean, really, you know, that's... I think the bass was... I don't know, we go. You visited the bass as well, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I'm just not sure how much of these songs are mine. <laughs> this is drums and bass once they're kind of done. And then these are some of my guitars that I would have replaced which would just be that rhythm part really and then we'd get Jamie's this part would be Jamie just kind of keeping all of that the kind of the style of it you know That's my guitar as well. That's your guitar. Which is from the demo. Which maybe, which he slightly... He calls it a demo, I call it the original version. So, yeah, I mean, again, that was even that guitar. Play that sound. guitar part again. Come on, that... Down, oh, na, 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 na. That's fucking... Come on, I can't even play guitar. Honestly, no, like, I don't... part to play it, I don't know. <laughs> Play that solo, put that guitar Here you go, so this is the demo of that. Uh, 
I think that sounds great. I mean, there's, there's a room reamp. It's interesting what you were saying about you don't play an instrument, you have to relearn it every time you approach yeah. it. But maybe, you know, that helps you stumble into creativity. Yeah, know? I think so, yeah. Because it means that each time you pick it up, even though you've got a few, you know, you know how to hold down a string or, you know, you've got yeah, a few no, of those I, basic... Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Like, every time I... Literally, I don't remember how to play any of my songs. Never have. Unless I'm, like, thinking about it, I couldn't sit down here and play my songs. I don't know how to do that. So it does... It gives me the ability to write the same song over and over <laughs> hey, and new. over again and think it's new. Yeah. And you know what? Test me. You try all your silliness, not your silliness, anyone's silliness, test me. You try and find out how many Bob Dylan songs are exactly the same. You know what I mean? You have to be able to write the same song over and over again to find something different. I'm not even bothered about finding something different. Sometimes it comes across, sometimes it doesn't. But there seem to be certain corners I like. And when I sit in the groove of it, I'm I'm happy there, and it, you know I know how to deal with it. But then this is this is the voice, the artist's voice. You know that that's what we're looking for. We you know the authentic voice of the artist. You know that's what connects with people, and that's what draws them to one specific artist at a time. And that's why you know Jamie T songs sound like Jamie T, and not like a load of other people because they're all three chords. So yeah. they're, they're, <laughs> no, they're not. You mean, There's a secret chord. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on in there, as you've already explained. So um, if we wrap up the Old Style Raiders, how should we do that? You know, what haven't we heard that in terms of how you put it all together or what you needed to do, Hugo? I mean, like additional features, I think, I think we'd kind of, um, you know, we spent some time adding different ideas and the BVs were one of the things that kind of developed out of that, mm. which I loved. There's this... Um, yeah, there's BV something sound. I want to say about low... Yeah, so you, you were inspired by the band. Like- yeah, I was very inspired by a band called Low, and there was a there's a song called Medicine and Magazines, and I used the second verse. They did an arrangement on their backing vocals, and they used they used like one harmony in the background that just felt really heartbreaking, and I tried to emulate that on the second verse. It was just it completely made the whole thing feel weird. Big fan of Low, big fan of Low. Amazing band. Big Amazing fan band. of Low, yeah. Yeah. That and uh, I was listening a lot of the time to Bully by Cat Power as well. I'm not a harm, harmony guy. I don't know how to do harmonies. In fact, Orlando said to me, it's like, whenever you're in a harmony and you don't know what to do, just keep singing the same note. <laughs> 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 don't just keep going. <laughs> But yes, I'd like to put a big one out to, well, Lando, I'd like to put a big one out to Low. I'd like to put a big one out to Cat Power. Rotted you down to your skin and bone. Mold yourself now that the picture's stopped. Hard yards in the castle sand. Slipping through the fingers of a modern man. Every little sign is a thing is true. Every time it's another you. Or see the father or your mother's blues that made you steal apart. Cause it's not fair to grow inside and from the outside in. It looks alright, but inside our life it seems unkind. And when the walls they scream like killing dogs. Cause it's not fair to tell a life ever unwashed in the sins so rife. And if you didn't know, baby, you swear sometimes that you never knew love. I mean, there's sentiments there, but I didn't do it, do it justice. But yeah, that's where the inspiration came from. Yeah, I yeah. love this sound that we ended up with. Uh, 
in the outro section as well. Which was... That's me, that. It's a bit of me, that. Jeez. I just love those, yeah, the sound of them. And how, how do you create that? I mean, because that's they were just, but it's... They were just Jamie singing, but we kind of, like, bit crushed them, I think, and um, I'll find the actual stems. And... and all the other, all those different harmonies, you know, the low, the higher bit, the, mm. you know, even if, you know, you're manipulating some of them, pitching them up, et cetera, mm. but it's all Jamie. It's all Jamie, yeah. Because so, I mean, obviously when you play live, you've got a band with you, and kind of pretty much all the band are doing extra yeah bits they're, of they're all good singers they're yeah. all able to hold harmony yeah i mean that section of that actually it's all me there's about yeah. eight layers of that here which is all this this lo-fi plug-in where it's like the sample rate's been dropped and added noise and stuff that's important to realize it's all me Mm. Yeah, it's all me. If I'm not playing it, it's because you guys gone. We need to get a drummer in, or we need to. I need to replay the guitars. But it's all done in a room with one man on his own, just doing stuff. That's important to realise. Yeah, it's no frills. There's no magic. There's no nothing. It's hardworking people doing something together. But it all comes from a place where I sit in a room and I record stuff and I write songs. You know, and then hopefully we have good producers who lift it up yeah who can fully realise it well I yeah. think we should um, play a little bit of Old Style Raiders to round things off a bit that we haven't heard let's do the outro bridge to outro yeah why not have you ever read to walk away from someone's cold heart in a lighter day my town my fault I'm feeling lost in haze I never had to walk away but can I be on your mind I seldom lost away, you never knew nothing lies I've never had to walk away from something I loved yesterday I saw the feet four five, the three that lost in yesterday I never had to walk away now, can I be on your mind? I seldom lost away, cause you never knew nothing Is that still mine, that dang, dang, dang ah. Is that one like bang 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 in it? That's me. Like, That's you. That's you me. That and you couldn't fucking do it. <laughs> you couldn't do it. I knew you knew that. It's got too much swing for you. You couldn't swing a bag of shit. The Old Style Raiders by Jamie T from The Theory of Whatever. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to be looking at Between the Rocks. The next song we're going to look at from The Theory of Whatever by Jamie T is Between the Rocks. It's a nice shot of adrenaline, I think. So if you go, we'll press play. Years ago it's written on the bad job Anytime you take a tumble kicking from the mascot Passed out, massive kiss of cocaine Jacked up, stealing a cold harbour blame Like I don't feel the same Like I don't feel the same anymore Still the world catching 
pills looking like I'm tanked up Anytime you see me be a has-been I'm a has But the only prime time is the one in my brain Jacked up taking the white heart again Like I don't feel the shame Like I don't feel the pain anymore Between the love and the hate What you pull me apart When I try to stop I swear my dear I press restart Well this time I fear to hold you close from go too far Between the rocks and the Between the Rocks, Jamie T from The Theory of Whatever. And Jamie, are you going to tell me this is another one you started at the kitchen table late at night? No, not at all. Because I can't imagine... It's so upbeat that um, I can't imagine anybody sitting still. Well, I think uh, Hugo should probably take... Uh, well, I mean, well, this is the first first time we got in a studio together. This is what the song, basically, from that session, you know, which started, obviously, it's been developed somewhat, but actually the origins of it are... We sat down and started playing some music together. You came up with the chorus line, the between the rocks line became something that was kind of recorded in. I think I was maybe Jamie was playing because I had piano things. I mean, we got a bit of music on the first day. Jamie came back in the next day, went, Right, I need to put a drum beat on it, put on a classic kind of what feels like a Jamie beat, and then put down this vocal, which is the vocal that we recorded then is the final vocal again one take without you know i didn't i had no idea he'd even had the lyrics you know just came back in the next day i've written this press record right and so it's again in that same way it's built around maintaining that vocal but yeah. it, you know it was one of those songs that we did and then we hadn't spoken for a while after and i'd kind of lived with this song just I just had it. <laughs> I was like, I just listened to it myself and be like, "Fuck me, this is an incredible song." And yeah, and it took a long time for it. So actually, we were, we were probably halfway through the record before we were kind of like, "Yeah, let's do this one." Does that sound right? Is that your memory of events? Uh, yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah. I just remember uh, writing uh, the music with Hugo and uh, going home and really wanting to work with Hugo. And wanting to prove that I could still do what I used to do, so I went home and spent a long, 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 long time on the lyrics that night because it was like the beginning of us starting to work together. So it's like a job interview, right, for each other. And mm. is this back in 2017? This is that, yeah, that long that, yeah, end yeah. of 2017. Yeah. 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 So, so I really like kind of it's the first time I had done anything like this in a long, long time. But I really wanted to prove to Hugo that I was worth working with. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I got the best version of Jamie T. Was just. It's yeah. like you know, like my my friend said to me once. I went on a date once, long time ago. I went to meet my friend for a pint before, and he went, Are "You looking forward to a date later on?" Yeah, and he went, "I can see you dressed as Jamie T. tonight." <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. I like came to the party. Hoping he'd work with me, and this is what kind of came, came out of it, really. Yeah. And we've been fucking ever since. <laughs> Did you have to say that? <laughs> <laughs> so this is that this first is, day. This is the yeah. This is that day.
selling gold years ago It's written on the badge of Anytime you take a tumble kicking from the mascot But these words are from the night after that first date Sorry, two, sorry, two days One day writing the origins of it And then the second day Jamie coming in with the vocal Yeah, so you'd worked on these words I wrote it all night, yeah Yeah Still the world catching feels looking like I'm tanked up Anytime you see me be a has-been, I'm a has-but The only prime time is the one in my brain Jacked up, taking the white heart again And then when you're delivering them, are you reading them from a piece of paper? Or are they all in your head? I'm reading them from a piece of paper Yeah, yeah. so you've jotted it all down, yeah. arranged it, put it in some kind of yeah, order yeah. that you want It was done in one go, yeah, yeah. It's funny actually, John, because it was probably the night I saw you at Yalla, you know, we were yeah. talking about earlier. Yeah. It was probably that night that I sat down with Hugo and his brother Will, and him and his brother, verbatim, sung this song back to me that made me realise that uh, there was something really good about it. If two of my friends who love me and, you know, I think like my music and give a shit, are willing to sing a whole song that I haven't <laughs> written yet. Big, big deal for me. Yeah, it was actually probably the same night I lost it. Yeah, I remember. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Still, I keep writing with obsession. So, I mean, where do you go from here? You've got a lot of stuff already yeah well there was i think there was conversations about whether it fitted in i think maybe there was moments of hesitancy from you that it was too sounded too much like you <laughs> like old you well i just I mean, yeah uh, i think like you know because we went around we, we definitely there was moments where it was like right okay let's try the song but let's not do it like that and so there was a while where the versions do you remember really? um, no, really. <laughs> do you want to hear <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, really yeah go on hit there, me there yeah, was a what's ben, going on there was a Ben Bones version yeah, you I sent it to him I think so Ben is the keyboardist in your band Ben uh, is my you worked with him quite a bit. Uh, ben, I worked with Ben uh, a lot of time in the first two albums. Mm. Ben is a producer songwriter who uh, will love forever. Who is a old family friend of mine, Mark. But we got back in contact quite around this period of time, and yeah, he must have done a version. I have no memory of that because we were, we kind of went down that path for a while on it, and then there was another this one. live recording of us in the room I think Jamie's playing drums yeah I don't remember it. and then at some point we went back to the original and Jamie had written another chorus line that kind of filled oh, out right. yeah, yeah. that, that re breathed new life into it and then from there, we, we kind of, yeah, we messed around with it for a few days in the studio and changed a few bits and roughed it up a little bit. And, yeah, 
Do you have that new chorus line that? Yes. Pain anymore. Between the love and the hate, once you pull me apart. When I try to stop, I swear, my dear, I press restart. Well, it's time I fear to hold you close, we'll go too far. Between the rocks and the hard places. Still find answers, uninvited guests, uninspired gap, but you're giving it your best. Kind of hard to find the real in a room of plagiarism. So it kind of became a layer then of both of those vocals. Right. Once you pull me apart, when I try to stop, I swear, my dear, I press restart. There's something you guys are incredibly good at, like, is there's two choruses going on at the same time or two different lines going on at the same time but he's able to spread them enough that you can hear both of them singularly but hidden together as well like mm. without it sounding too chaotic it's yeah. something I've noticed you guys very good at and where are you recording these things? I have a studio we're just moving out at the moment but we had um, I've had a studio for the last couple of years that we finished so a lot of this stuff was done in there which is in Wandsworth. Right. But prior to that, yeah, I guess we did. It's been done, yeah, either working at homes, some live stuff in Maloko, the pool, and then the rest in this studio that I've had, which was kind of actually, I think this place has been, allowed us to finish the record, really. It's just been a comfortable place. We've been happy working there, right? It just felt right to, yeah. to finish it there, so... And are you engineering all these bits when you're recording? Uh, usually working with an engineer, so a guy called Jag Jago, who he works with me on a lot of things, but he also works on the Maccabees records, and yeah, he engineered this record, so right. with drum sounds and stuff like that, it's, you know, he's all over it. Yeah. And what's, what's the trick to making two simultaneous choruses work together like that? I mean... It's probably in the arrangement, you know, even even the places of where those things are happening, really. But I guess there's a lot of things you can do, like kind of mix-wise, you know, even as simple as like kind of dulling down one part and brightening another, and then, you know, stereo spread, that kind of thing. But I think maybe more importantly, the at what point they're introduced. So I think even here, you're you're not introduced both at the same time, you know, so they're you're kind of one thing's introduced at one point, the other one's introduced, and then they're introduced together. Right. When you understand, when your brain's processed both of them, and then suddenly it it doesn't feel like too much information. Yeah. Could, could you illustrate that at all? Um, Between the love and the hate, once you pull so me first apart, chorus. When I try to stop, I and then I think... Between the love and the hate, second chorus, again, apart, same thing. And then the end of the instrumental, you get the Between the Rocks line. Between the rocks in and then during the bridge, it reintroduces that line, the Between the Rocks. a couple thousand records, concern platinum in a couple days. Cause I'm still in that very moment. I'm just a thousand miles away. To call up to be broken. Which then becomes something that stays for that chorus. And yeah. I said thank you for that moment. And I will thank you one day. Yeah, I'ma thank you for that moment. Between the rock and the hard place. Between the love and the hate. Once you pull me apart. So kind of by that time you they they sit together. Yeah. And with the music, 
combined. Yeah. And I said thank you for that moment. And I will thank you one day. Yeah, I'ma thank you for that moment. Between the rock and the hard place. Between the love and the hate. Won't you prove me a fun? When I tried to stop, I swear, my dear, I press restart. It's interesting when you hear the voices isolated and also when you we heard them isolated when you were working out different ideas for the song and going through different visions yeah. of it. You know how when you hear the beat kick in and it goes like 100 miles an hour, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it's a completely different song to how it could have been, which yeah, you explored, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, which yeah. could have been a, a touching ballad. In yeah, it, yeah, 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 definitely. Which it felt like it probably was on that, um, in the initial writing of it. And it was Jamie that kind of kicked it into gear and let's not go down that route, let's push it forward. Yeah. But yeah, it could have gone any direction, really, and almost did. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And all those little bits where you hear voices, conversations that are going on, you know, like, they're, no, fuck off, or you know, whatever, yeah, all these yeah. little voices come in. Do you get Jamie to do those individually? That's, or That's me, luckily, or, getting Jamie being in the mood that he's going to do them, and all it is is press record, and he's just, he does that stuff in his sleep. So Right, so you play back the track, and then he just kind of comments on the different things that are going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, you know? but it's all just capturing that moment, I guess, because that's the, with... Jamie, that's the sort of thing I would like to be like, you need to do more of that stuff, but you can't say that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's he has to say that. <laughs> so you've got to wait for the moment. Right, when he's ready to you know, do it. It needs that extra bit. That, because that's one of the great things about the Jamie T sound is all this stuff that's going on. Yeah, that, yeah. As I was saying earlier, that the sound palette of Jamie T. Yeah, and almost it's like the kind of, not mistakes, but just happy accidents within mm. stuff as well and keeping all that detail. And there's, lot, there's lots of points. Where lyrics are, you know, I remember even saying to Jamie fairly late in the day on stuff where it's like the BVs are doing different lyrics to the lead. Should we sort that out? And Jamie, no, don't sort that out. <laughs> you know, and it's part of, part of it, you know, it's like you can't try and sort everything out because that you lose the, the character of things. Yeah, yeah, totally. And character is such a key word, it seems, because often the songs seemed populated by these characters and these places that, that kind of come back again or seem to or are referred to, you know, that which, like the world that you've created is populated by all these people, Jamie. You know, that, yeah. And, um, you know, sometimes it seems within that, in terms of sound, you know, you're creating all of that. But in effect, it does seem as if it's, you know, this constant throng of people that are surrounding you all the time. Mm. But do, do you know what I mean? I, mean you... uh, I don't know. I mean... And the most important thing to realise is songwriting is fiction, yeah. Songwriting yeah. is fiction. But um, I'll fight anyone who tells me that any lyric of mine is not real. Also, songwriting's not about trying to be liked either. You know what I mean? Like, you can write a song, you don't have to come off like a good character in it. If you look at Libertines, for example, I'm a big, big fan of, and uh, they call their, their stuff Albion. Or whatever. Mm. You know, they, they create a, a backdrop for imagination, a backdrop for uh, uh, something that I believe in when I listen to, to the Libertines, you know. And I, I feel like I, I've gone out of my way the whole time to be whoever that I want to be and be free to do whatever I like. I'm not going to tell anyone to be anything else but themselves. And I feel like I've been myself pretty damn sure the whole way fucking through. And, like, imagination realism all of that it's songwriting 
It's songwriting. Honestly. Give me a hug. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's my job since I was a kid. I don't know how to do anything else. I like string things together and I, I look at things. Then I change he to she and then I change you to we. And then suddenly it turns to a different song. You know, then I, you know, do this and do that. It's I enjoy the sentiment of it. I have no understanding of people who think songwriting is reality or whether I should give a flying fuck. Honestly, like, I just, I believe completely in what I do. I, like, believe completely in what I do as a songwriter. But also just don't give a fuck. If you don't understand what art is, fuck off and go learn. <laughs> art is Art is not reality. You know what I mean? If you want to learn how to do art, learn how to do art. If you want to learn how to be a politician, go learn how to be a politician and come up with a manifesto. I love the beauty in art. Do you know what I love is you, you start creating something, you start changing things around, and then you look at it at the end and you're proud of it and you go, God, I didn't know I had that in me. That's what I enjoy about it. You know what I mean? Sorry, what was I getting on about? <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break, but before we do, let's have another blaster between the rocks. It is Between the Rocks. We're going to take a little break, as I said, and we'll be back with Thank You. The next song we're going to look at is Thank You from The Theory of Whatever. Um, should we should we hear a bit of it before we get into it? Such a bad sign Took the wrong right This piece of shit will drop you outside 29 I called her Pablan, she called me Cabman. Her ratings comfortably a 4.5. So that is Thank You from The Theory of Whatever by Jamie T. And the album is is really diverse, as we would expect from a, a Jamie T album, but in that we've heard a, a couple of anthemic rockers already. And, and so you've got some really upbeat material on there. And then there's some really downbeat material too. But Thank You starts really, really quietly and kind of builds. And that we kind of heard the climactic bit really just now. Um, but it's a very intimate song as well, the way it starts. Yeah. How did you start it well I, I was working with uh, a good friend of mine Matt Maltese who I can't remember how I met him a long time ago or oh, years ago now but uh, was always stunned by um, you know Paul Heaton mm, from the beautiful south yeah. and the house Martins. Yeah. yeah who's uh, I'm a huge fan of his songwriting 
And the only person I think who is able to write songs like Paul Heaton does is Maltese. Right. Uh, so, I mean, Matt's interesting in that he emerged from Reading at about the age of 16 as a bit of a piano yeah. prodigy. And I remember going to see him at this festival, Are You Listening?, and being told by the people who organise Are You Listening?, you've got to check out Matt Maltese. And he was 16 at the time. Mm. And then he moved to London, didn't he? And he started, and he's released a few albums. And started he, hanging out with me. Yeah, yeah, hanging out with people like you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, his mum and dad are very concerned. And <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> As are mine. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a wonderful spirit. It's just one of my favourites. I listen to him all the time. I'm just... Uh, not many people can write songs like that. And anyway, so we ended up uh, good friends and sat down together. And actually that song that we wrote to- together actually started off as a completely different song. So Matt's a co-writer for Thank You. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, yeah. yeah. And uh, Matt and I had written a song. I wish I had it with me, but it was about um, something quite different. And then Matt came up with a part that... <laughs> That part, and I, I, was, I remember saying, oh, I don't think that's right, you know. And in hindsight, looking at Matt's face, Matt being like, you know, are you fucking serious? <laughs> uh, and then a few hours later, that uh, part came back around, and uh, we finished half the song together, and then I, I finished the rest of it myself. But yeah, phenomenal. It's wonderful working with him. He's such a... He's on the same vibe as me. He's lyrically... He likes having fun lyrically uh, with things. And, you know, I, I came upstairs at one point. Matt's very like me in the sense that uh, obviously spends quite a lot of time on his own. There's a solitary side of people, you know, who are solo artists. I've seen it in Laura Marlin, for example. And I, I went, I was downstairs getting Matt a cup of tea and had a weird and came back upstairs. And Matt's like putting the third, you know, like backing vocal on, like, you know, and I, I kind of put my head through the door and was like, wow, it's just wonderful watching someone on their own kind of press and record and, you know, like doing all this stuff. And yeah, he, he wrote that chorus in, in no time. He's just, uh, it was wonderful to be able to actually do something together. And, and we did that together and, and he looked at me and went, that's pretty big boy, that. I was like, yeah, it's big boy, isn't it? And we both like, there's nothing better than writing a song with someone in a room and feeling like you got something good and like having a hug and you like jump up and down together and you're like, fuck, yeah, wicked, you know what I mean? Like, it was great, you know, because it's, it's hard to get two egos in a room and create something good, really. So, yeah, it was wonderful. I'm such a huge fan. I actually was going through a very strange time at one point and I was going to call my album Matt Maltese because I'm such a fan of it. I nearly called the album Matt Maltese. <laughs> wow. And everyone was like, well, that'd be a bit weird. <laughs> so I didn't, but it was a name in contention. Yeah, amazing. Huge, um, so huge fan. Do you have anything of that uh, session together to I've play? I've got the demo that you, you played me from that session. Yeah, play it. Such a bad life on your hard drive. You'll be living with till you're 45. You call it pub land, she calls a cabman. Her rate is comfortably a 4.9. Why do you look so funny? Oh, Mr. Maltese. Oh, yeah. You don't love me. 
And so that is Matt singing there. Yeah, that's Matt there, yeah. And that was that the bit that you walked in on? Or... I can't remember. I can't remember because yeah, yeah. it was a different song. And this mm. song came... We, we spent like five hours writing another song and this song came out of it. That's what I'm talking about when I was ranting earlier. It's like, don't question what the fuck is going on. Like, songs are not written from start to finish like this. That was another song that came into another song. And it, I think the best thing to be in music is to be fluid and just to be like, okay, cool, now we're doing this. It's what keeps me going. Is that feeling that you end up somewhere where you never started and you're able to not be ground down by the monotony of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, which is interesting because in a way you have both been doing this for quite some time now and you both started very young and, yeah. and in a way, either with intent or, or not with intent, you kind of got thrust into this world and have kind of been pushed almost to just carry on. I mean, how old were you, Jamie, when you first started emerging, when you were this? John, you, you were the first one. I was Honestly, I was making breakfast at about seven in the evening in, in my mum and dad's kitchen with a hangover and I was listening to you on the radio and you played a song of mine and someone had sent in and uh, you played the first original demo if you got the money and that was, I must have been 18 or 19 at that point. Right, but things happened quickly for you and similarly, I mean, there are three brothers in the Maccabees. No, I'm, I'm not sure of the age hierarchy of, of that, but... No, you were very young when the Maccabees kind of yeah, took same off. thing really. I mean, well, yeah, we started the band sixteen and yeah, had to sign the record deal at eighteen, nineteen. Yeah, like but um, I guess what I'm there was no time for either of you to take a course in being a musician or or do training or anything like that because suddenly people were interested in what you're doing and you were on a stage and started to perform and then you got deals and, and started to record as well. So you've kind of learned on the job, in a way. Yeah. You've told us, Jamie, many times today, um, <clears throat> you know, that you're not a musician, and, but you, you've still got some kind of knack uh, and ability nonetheless. Yeah. But, I mean, there was no training in any way for either of you? Uh, no, not really. No, did you? No. I mean, Maccabees was, we learnt to play. <coughs> I couldn't play a bar chord when we started the band, so it was still like, can't. <laughs> I still, I, I've learnt to not have to play one. But, um, <laughs> the yeah, I think, and actually, you know, which is interesting with the Jamie thing is like, production for me was probably, Jamie, Jamie's records, he had always, they were like homemade, you know what I mean? You were making them yourself, and we, we didn't necessarily do that early on with the Maccabees. We, were, we played live together as a band, and... So for me, even production, I was inspired by Jamie making stuff, and that probably was what, and, and actually looking back on it, it was quite early, really, in terms of people making records on their own. Do you know what I mean? It was before everyone had a laptop, you know. Hmm. Not everyone had GarageBand or Logic or whatever it was that people were using. So I've actually, you know, was inspired by that in terms of production and probably learnt from <laughs> listening to those records and replicating that kind of stuff. I, I definitely feel this time around part of the idea of getting Hugo in to produce was a step away from what I've normally done. So this time around when I asked Hugo to do it, I was aware that Hugo was going to take my stuff into more of a band area. Like, every time I'd ever done like live drums before, it just sounds fucking shit. I'd rather just use a shit drum kit that I have and build the whole track around that. But Hugo was 
saying, oh, I want to do live drums, I want to do these things. So it was giving Hugo the amount of faith to be able to actually treat my stuff a little more in an indie band way, mm. which was scary territory for me. And, uh, and you know, I, I feel like it ended up wonderfully, but it was a, a little... Um, I was daunted by it. I had to actually leave Hugo alone to do it on his own because I realised that my presence in the studio was I was just getting in the way of everything. So um, Hugo used some of his knowledge of recording as as a band, I think, to good effect on my album. For me, it was a marriage of the two things, really, is like because that, to me, the importance of how your early records sounded that you'd made yourself and had that all the character that was in those records, which is music that I grew up on, you know, and had inspired me. And I was hearing that in the demos that Jamie was sending me. So I was trying to make sure that we didn't lose any of that. But then at the same time, like we said, kind of bring a bit of this Marks to Prove It world or the, just like life to it, what I saw to marry those two things together. And that was kind of the task really for me on this record, yeah, not at whatever cost not losing Jamie's essence but then finding that way of like bringing dynamics and dimension to it as a record yeah and going back to thank you uh, presented with what Jamie had worked on with Matt how did you then evolve the song because it does evolve as you listen to it you know and this tale that is told that you know also evolves well, I mean, this yeah, this one was like one that kept flying around because at the start of this, this was in the 140 and and I know Matt as well. I'd produced early stuff with Matt as well, so also got a lot of love for Matt. But this song I'd always been like to Jamie, it's like he kept going, this one's on the record. And I'm like, but where's the, where's the song? Where's the, you know, like it needs to have a song to be on the record. It's just a verse and a chorus. And it was always, you know, don't worry about it. Song's coming. And then later on, it was just, you would just get these, like, there'd been lots of different versions of verses. And actually, one of the things that stood out, which is the third, now the third verse, I think, in this song, which is just pushes it, the song so far off track, but in there's a genius to how it's done, really. And Do you want to play us that? Then? Yeah. Ask, I say, we're long distance by drive. This shit sticks like a dirty magazine. Lonely ass wife. Hello, this is your driver. Had to park on a side street. I know you think you carry on with naughty people, but that doesn't carry weight with me. And yes, I do mind if he smokes. And no, I've never met Steve. And if he can't pronounce my name, I bet, like you, he'll call me Addison Lee. I mean, I love that bit. And, it, and it's a real surprise in the song where it just kind of stops and yeah, then yeah. It starts up again. And it's, I think, like, there's so many things, times where it just felt like that the song's not working you know but Jamie's like it works that's how it is and it works and it's like committing to that thing and, and having this song come together in a way that the whole thing hangs together the truth of the matter is apparently that I 
came in and told him to come outside, apparently, about the <laughs> studio, and had a talk with him about it, and then came inside and apparently threw my hat on the floor and walked out. I had, there was a few <laughs> things. I, I mean, yeah, my, <laughs> the experience of a lot of this was we, we'd done a version of it, and it, we'd been back and forth moving bits around and blah, 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 and then there was a, a moment where Jamie came in, listened to it, gave me a speech on in like a minute it was a lot of information about how everything had to be across the song and then he disappeared threw his hat on the floor and disappeared for a week and i was in the <laughs> studio just literally trying to make everything that he'd said to me in that minute work so that when he came back it would think and and it got to a point where he did come back and he went what the fuck have you done it sounds amazing I went, I just did what you told me in that minute, made it, made it work, you know. And so obviously, it, it I didn't worked. believe it until he said he, you threw your hat on the floor. I was like, oh, yeah. that sounds a bit like me. <laughs> <laughs> I've been into doing that recently to get my point across. <laughs> hat on the floor to get your point across. <laughs> but you took a lot in in that minute, and then spent a week. Uh, making yeah, that I work. mean, maybe was it a week? Yeah, it was maybe. a week. It was about a week. It was you about disappearing it. for a week sounds about. And then I was like, well, what's the problem? It sounds great. And he looked at me like he's about to have a nervous breakdown and was like, just fuck it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't know what I've been through. But yeah, and uh, actually... In the <laughs> what was the issue? <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of that I thought was quite interesting in the, in the track is a lot of it was... So we kind of like fleshed out parts for the song and it felt too... There are other songs in the record that are built around and also quite a classic thing from... Jamie things to have these things be built on samples and actually it became really apparent a way to deal with this was to crunch down everything into essentially a sample and then work on top of a two-track sample through the song so turn Matt's chorus and some of the instrumentation just basically put it through like an old vinyl plug-in that kind of warps and sounds a bit weird and throws it and essentially fins it all out and then build everything on top of that, which suddenly by doing that, the whole thing started to make sense. Right. Are you able to illustrate that? Yeah. So this is this is all on the sample. There's actually quite a lot of things going on within that, you know, the strings and once, you, once you once you bounce shit down like that, it does two things for you. It troubles you because you can't you can't fuck about with shit anymore. And secondly, what it does is it frees you up. You have to build the track around how that sounds. So some of the things that Hugo did before helped 3D things out, but the original version of this that Hugo did was too three-dimensional and it lost something. Because once you bounce loads of shit down together, you can't fuck with it anymore and you have to work around it. And I think that's really important for certain tracks, especially if you're using something that, I think that sounds like Big Star yeah. Yeah. to me, Max bit there. You don't really want to fuck with that. You just want to keep it the same. Yeah, and I think it worked, it worked tremendously well once we did that. It allowed Hugo more space. You know, he suddenly wasn't thinking in three dimensions. Otherwise, he'd been worried about strings, quadruple vocals and fucking... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot going on. So then to build on that, you know, then there was a live kit on top of that. 
so now it's starting to feel like it's just a, it's playing on top of the sample, you know. And then you got bass. So throughout the song, so then, so the first sections of the song kind of remain pretty simple. Not much else is added. Just the vocals on the sample, the drums. Just put them in. So this is the first, by the second chorus, there's a few more layers, so you get Matt's vocal layered on top as individual stems for the first time, so it starts to open out a little bit more. And then I basically kind of add elements until we get to that end chorus where actually the sample becomes you could maybe play it and talk us through it as you, as you okay yeah it. so by the after the mad verse the last chorus the sample's kind of gone so the sample track becomes just there's just like this is some sort of and then all the elements that were in the sample then come to life as as their own elements. So then you've got to play um, some of the sort of pad stuff. So there's a piano and there's a kind of... don't even know what that was. That was something on an iPad probably. Yeah, there was a, uh, that iPad thing that you used. It was uh, back and forth, yeah, yeah. weird uh, rotary thing. Yeah, so there's bunch of and actually even I mean I think the strings are like garage band iPads just straight in so this is all underneath that end section and again the, the last chorus is the acoustic guitars for the first time without being in the sample so then if you put everything back in the place Clever, so it's kind of come to life by there. Then I can go into the master on that last boy. So by here you've got, like Matt's vocals does actually have all the layers, you know, like treated as if they were a big, right. a big set of vocals, you know. But yeah, so that's part of the development throughout the song and how it ended up working. And then this is back to just sample here. I can correlate that last verse as well to a song that I wrote a year and a half before that. So the whole song began to become something quite different. It's really hard to explain what I'm talking about. That's why I had a rant earlier. It's really difficult to explain how, how you write songs. It's very difficult. Yeah, I mean, I, I like we heard the... The door close on the end of thank you, no, as they get out of the car. It's a nice, <laughs> nice way to round it <laughs> off. Um, so that is thank you from the theory or whatever. When everybody comes on tape notes, we always ask them a couple of questions. Um, one of the questions we always ask is about tech or equipment or an instrument, something that you can't work without or live without. It might be specific to 
this particular record or it could just be in general in life. Jamie or Hugo, who wants to come up with something first? I mean, I found, which has been enough dispute between me and Jamie, but I started tuning all my guitars into an open sea so that so I basically decided I got to a point where I was like I found playing guitar just I wasn't feeling inspired by it anymore and actually just I made a conscious decision that I was going to retune all my guitars to a different tuning and never play guitar again in original tuning which was kind of mid record so for Jamie it was um every time he picked up a guitar to try and play this is probably why he thinks he doesn't know how to play guitar but all the, all the guitars I have in another tuning, but to me that's probably having a guitar tuned in open C has been important to me just because it's something that's just re-inspired me. So maybe, I don't know, changing of something that you're sort of used to doing, but just throwing something slightly just mm. re-inspires you and, and that's important. Yeah, kind of interesting curveball. Is there anything that you can't work without, Jamie? A pen and a piece of paper. Love it, yeah. The happiest I am is coming up with ideas on a piece of paper with a pen and writing reams and reams of stuff, and I find ideas in that. Yeah, that's the simplicity of that. Yeah, he's, he's the be all and end all. And uh, parts of everything else is a toy, really, mm. you know, to get past that. But that's why I say, that's why I say, write 15 fucking pieces of paper a night and then come fucking talk to me. Huh? <laughs> so um, the, 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 the other question we always <sighs> ask people is, is about advice, whether um, your experience to date has led you to want to pass on advice that you have learned or you had has stuck with you that you've kind of clung on to or often think about that you think other people should hear. Don't work with the Maccabees. <laughs> Just with Hugo. <laughs> no, uh, the first piece of advice, I've got 15, so I'll carry on, right? I've got 15 things. First piece of advice is just honestly don't listen to anyone, anyone's opinion or anything. Enjoy it. Honestly, enjoy it, man. There's so much enjoyment out of just doing, creating things. It's just, I fucking love it. I love doing it. Everything past that is a caveat, right? And it can make you feel sad, it can make you feel good. But honestly, just having the ability to do that for me is just, it's my life. It's everything to me. Without it, I am nothing. That's it. Just, ah, it's just wicked. It's like the hug of the world to me. Secondly, work with your friends. Thirdly, don't give a fuck, <laughs> right? I'm 30, how old am I now? 36? I'm 36 <laughs> years old. And I've learned this quite quickly, very recently. Honestly, I believe it, and I, I'm not just fucking about here. Don't give a flying fuck what anyone says about fucking anything, because they're all fucking idiots. You know what I mean? If you sit in a room, you do your thing, people like it, that's good. If they don't, they can fuck off. Because I spent too much time in my life doing what I do. I'm proud of myself. My family are proud of me. My friends are proud of me. My friends are proud enough to fucking work with me. Do what you want. Enjoy doing it. Have fun doing it. And also be inspired by your friends. I'm out. <laughs> it's hard to follow that. I'm not, I'm not even going to attempt that. <laughs> it's been so great to have you here with us telling us all about uh, the theory of whatever. I mean, that is a, a really appropriate title. 
Thank you very much, Jamie. Thank you very much, Hugo. Thank you. And they're having a nice hug now. Um, we should play out with one more song, another selection from the album. Which way do we go? I mean, I think British Health sounds amazing. I was going to suggest British Health. Really? Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. See, oh, you like that? Tell you, yeah, single. Yeah. you like that one? Yeah, yeah? totally. That's Frank, yeah, should, me should... and Frank Carter. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, wow, yeah, I brilliant. got Frank on it. He's been on the show. He's been on Tape yeah, yeah, yeah. He sent me a text yesterday. I sent him a message when I was doing that. He was like, hadn't spoken to him in years, right? And he just goes, we ran in half an hour. Wow. Well, it's great. I, yeah. I think I was saying to Jamie on the way, I think that should be the next. I thought it should be the next single. Really, that's interesting. I, and I said, let's see what John thinks. Yeah, you did, he did <laughs> really say that to me. It, well, it, 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 it immediately leapt out to me as, the, as right. a single or the next single. But then there are loads of tracks. You know, it's a 13-track album. There's a lot to choose Yeah, it's 13, you know. isn't it? It's 13. Yeah, yeah. you've got a lot on there. But maybe we'll, we'll play it's it now. It's not going to do great. We'll do whatever. I'm happy. I'm, I'm chill. We're, I we're... think it's going to do really well. I really have. Yeah, uh, I don't feeling. know. I don't know about that. I really hope so. Mm. It's last time round now. Past here, I'm doing, I'm growing vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> well, we shall see. <laughs> we shall see. I'm growing um, vegetables. Thanks again. And we're going to hear British Hell. This is Jamie T. Oh, yo! John Kennedy. Hugo Maccabees. Jamie Hu. They call us walking corpses. Thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed the episode if you have a moment do tell your friends and leave us a review it all really helps thanks to those of you who have already donated to the show i'm just one part of the team that brings you tape notes it relies on your support if you'd like to donate please head to our website once again thank you for listening until next time goodbye and now we're driving in her car In the dark, in the deep tag bush Panicking and trauma Guess it's something that I took Cause I never needed no one I'm a self-made man But now I'm seeing double Well I see her at the bar In the start At the after after party Said you like the coup de gras Keep me one up in the chat To chat that feeling of our fancy I remember middle 20 I was arrogant and uncouth I know exactly who you are Hold you close If only for a second